What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Through the Keyhole, the free pod. Uh, as every Tuesdays now, we are doing a free podcast for everybody that was subscribed to what was formerly known as the Inside OU Podcast. I'll only say this for a few more times, but I feel like, especially as the season just began, probably a handful of new listeners, hopefully hundreds or maybe thousands, perhaps millions of new listeners uh, listening to the podcast for the first time. Yes, I know on Apple Podcasts, it still says... Inside OU, I've been on the email machine with Apple all day long to try and fix that. It's very annoying, but hopefully that gets sorted out because the the confusion level, I would assume, for listeners is very, very high. But it is what it is. But Brady Trantham here alongside Mr. Keegan Renault coming to you podcast live from my kitchen as always. Matt Burton, our lovely producer, is he's with his lovely mother. On her birthday, and we wish Matt Burton's mom, Carol, a very, very happy birthday. Happy birthday, Carol. Matt will not be producing anything today. It's going to be back to me and my shitty production value. But I do have one soundbite in the can waiting, waiting, waiting for the opportune time. And Keegan, it's very delicious, but we're going to put that on the back burner right now because it is OU Nebraska week. It is finally here, the 11 a.m. game that caused OU to jump to the SEC is but a mere. I, I can't. I I can't math. It's a few days away. It's three days away from the 96 time. Ninety six hours. Seventy two hours is three days, but it's not seventy two hours away because it's so it'd technically be eighty four hours at eleven o'clock tonight. I think that's correct. Okay, you you are the numbers and stats guy, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna not, let you, not as good as what people would think, but yes, I'm gonna let you basically take the fall for that one if you're wrong but if you're right you know people are like see that keegan he knows his shit he absolutely knows his shit uh but yeah it's OU nebraska week everybody's excited keegan's excited he can i mean he he's so excited he took his shirt off prior to the uh recording of this podcast and so we're getting silly with it i do want to ask everybody if you have not already, before we get into this show, uh, please leave a five-star, preferably five-star review on Apple Podcasts and a review or a rating, whatever you want to call it. Uh, if you have not done so, we greatly appreciate that. It really, really, really helps out uh, the podcast grow. It helps the podcast get out to people who are out of basically Key and I's Twitter influence, if mm. you will. Uh, we greatly, greatly appreciate that. It only takes a few seconds. So if you have not done so, please, please do so. And shout out to everybody who's listening on Spotify. Uh, I just checked the numbers earlier today, and they look great. So it's very encouraging, very encouraging. And then one more thing. Don't forget about our Patreon page at, at patreon.com slash through the keyhole, where you can get a lot of awesome bonus OU content, whether it be articles, silly videos like my <laughs> like my. Uh, Texas Arkansas deep dive that I did, and then of course the professional film film reviews done by uh, Keegan Renault. Um, we've got different tiers if you want to help support the cause, we would greatly appreciate that as well. But now let's get to the meat of the show, uh, Keegan. Where do we want to start? I mean, do we want to start with injury concerns? Do we want to start with reports of guys being out here and there do we want to talk about the rivalry i mean we can really start wherever we want to i i think the most 
compelling thing, and it don't it doesn't necessarily affect this week. It doesn't affect next next week. But Danny Stutzman worked his way into the second group, and uh, I think I texted Brady this the exact words of Why did I just have to watch Danny Stutzman's arm do that? Yeah, I wasn't pretty. And so I would anticipate he won't play this week if that was a he dislo- shouldn't need to. dislocation or what. We no one knows what it is. We're all waiting for Danny to update it himself on Twitter because I guess that's <laughs> what OU players do now. And then he was silenced. Lincoln, Lincoln, <laughs> Lincoln, and Alex Grinch are like ah, uh-uh. talk about censoring. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I was uh, no. I, I think you have to start there. Billy Bowen obviously was hurt as well. Uh, Lincoln. Made a comment yesterday. I'm sure Brady or Matt can chime in whenever or Matt's not producing. Uh, we figured out and the exact verbiage of it, but definitely sounds like those guys are going to be on the men for a minute and great opportunity for some for some other guys. Uh, we saw Shane Witter for the first time on Saturday. Shane ran into a brick wall at one point in that game, uh, but it's not not recommended to do so, such things. Don't do that. No and. Um, I, I think the it was a good game, Western Carolina, Brady, from the aspect of there was a lot of really good stuff, specifically some of the mental game that Caleb Williams showed on Saturday. The blitz he called out on his own and checked it. Oh, God. Brady, I texted it He's to him special. before. Texted to him before. Um, there was a lot of things still from a defensive play calling perspective that were kind of confusing. Uh, and – they were relatively healthy. So there's a lot of good things that came from there, a lot of stuff that you can correct, a lot of good things that we saw from, from, from some young guys, Brady, and injuries were not terrible to key players. And I think that's the most important thing. Now, Billy Bowman being out, you want to get that that guy needs as many reps as he can at nickel before we get into the meet. But you should feel fine with Jeremiah Cradell being the backup. You should. Just – I, I, have we seen I, enough? I, I, exactly. But the experience is there. It's not going to be like a fresh 18-year-old who's no. not ready physically or mentally. No. Uh, he did get on a route on Saturday. I don't know if the ball found that wide receiver, but he did get cooked on one. That's okay. It happens. Jeremy, that was really Jeremiah's first real game like length of time to play was on Saturday. So I thought it was, uh, if you want to start somewhere, I think that, you head this week with a not. I wouldn't say you should walk into this game with a little bit of confidence because of what you did last Saturday, Brady. But I think the mental for this team after what happened and the <laughs> I'm not taking this the wrong way, OU fans. I promise you. But the fan reaction from from the Tulane game, those guys need to go out and prove themselves something. The energy was great. I think that they corrected a lot of the things. Uh, I don't know if you actually want to start here. One, I don't, I don't know if we can get into Grinch's play calling here and probably on Thursday, but they ran more RPOs on Saturday, Brady, than I've seen Lincoln run maybe ever, which was fascinating. Why Why Western Carolina? <laughs> I would have just assumed, too, uh, obviously because they need to work on it against an opponent. Yeah. Now, I mean, the question would be, well, why would you want to do that against Western Carolina and put the film out there? I think that that's all overblown. I, I truly think that that's overblown. Like, yes, you you ideally don't want to show all your cards game one, game two. You want to have some stuff on the back burner to kind of thrust at Texas or thrust, you know, down the road. Um, and Lincoln Riley, 
and coaches like that, they're constantly adding to the playbook as the season goes along as you find out, hey, this Mario Mario Williams cat's pretty good. Maybe we should utilize him in more ways than just throwing him simple screens. Um, like So you're, all, you're always tinkering with the offense, but, I mean, OU's offense is what it is. Texas knows what it's, what it's going to be. West Virginia knows what it's going to be. Kansas State knows what it's going to be. It's just going to come down to, can OU execute? And so perhaps maybe Lincoln Riley believed that I've seen enough in practice. I need to see it in a, in a game atmosphere. We can do it here because maybe he thinks, and this is kind of what I thought going into the Western Carolina game. We know this team is talented. We know this team is good. The expectations are there for a reason and they and they should be there. And hopefully that week of practice was as Spencer Rattler later described it uncomfortable. So I was very happy to hear that. Because they were reminded, he's grown up a bit. He was reminded, uh, the team was reminded that it's not supposed to be easy that entire week, apparently. And Western Carolina needed to represent the get right game, where sometimes players, you know, teams, they know what they're capable of, but for one reason or another, because it didn't happen in game one, they just needed to simply see themselves do it. And like, I think Jaden Hazelwood's a perfect example of that. He needed to see himself throw he didn't a guy. Want to get, he didn't want to get hit though. That's, you know, I did ask you in the month, <laughs> in the Sunday reaction post on Patreon, like why I feel a little concerned about Jaden Hazelwood's game, despite the two catches. And despite him throwing that guy down with the arm, because like, we know the physical presence he brings, right? And he caught two relatively easy touchdown catches, but maybe Jaden needs needed to just see himself do that in order for him to unlock the potential that he has. It also could have been a thing where he saw Marvin Mims earlier in the game about get his head taken off, uh, which we broke down, and that was not not a Rattler problem on that. <laughs> Lincoln actually checked into that play, and what was funny, Brady, they're running Western. I know I'm going back on the game, but they're running like two high safeties and just dropping into cover three the entire game. Like one of the safeties was keep kept coming. I mean, who knows, but regardless of that, maybe he saw Marvin Mims about get his head taken off and was like, eh, Western Carolina's head hunting. I'm going to, I'm going to try to brace this hit here. <laughs> and, uh, so I, uh, there's part of it. Jaden Hazelwood's not had a drop issue. Like you want to talk about of the guys that have not had drop issues. He's been the only one go back to 19. I mean, he made more competitive catches in 19 than, Everybody not named yeah, I mean, C.D. Lamb. Drops, drops are going to happen. The pro, like, the point of that question that I asked you in the Sunday post was mainly just from the standpoint of I technically have to ask that question because sure. just like we did with Theo East, just like we did prior to uh, Trajan Bridges getting kicked off. Like we know the talent that this receiving core has, and particularly those three. But because we have not seen them actually do the things that we know that they're capable of doing, we have to be we have to be inquisitive inquisitive about them actually doing it because until they do it, it's just kind of bullshit at that point. So yeah, I don't think Jaden Hazelwood's going to have the case of the drops no. moving forward, but he did drop it. Marvin Mims dropped a pass last year. That would have been a touchdown in Lubbock. We've talked about that a few times. Yeah. He had two that two that day, which was really weird. Yeah. Uncharacteristic. Drops happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Ask I mean, Texas. Drops happen. Great running backs fumble. Great quarterbacks throw interceptions that you look at the replay and you go, "What the fuck were you thinking?" You know, it's it, it's chaos. It's a sport played by young adults. It's a sport played by humans. Humans make mistakes. So, um, I will say, like in the broader, mm-hmm. uh, like the broader scope of what the Nebraska game represents, some skill position player that has not had a breakout game needs to have a breakout game this week. 
They absolutely whether it's Jaden Hazelwood, whether it's Mario Williams, whether it's Eric Gray, somebody needs to kind of announce themselves as I am that motherfucker. Like maybe it's Jaden Hazelwood. Maybe he saw himself do okay, okay, I've got the confidence now. It's no longer like so far between like the last time I actually made a competitive catch or so far between the last time I did something of note for the Oklahoma Sooners. I just caught two touchdown passes. Now let me expound upon that. Uh, Mario William, Williams, who's caught two touchdowns already in his first two games as a Sooner. Got but the it, back shoulder this time, didn't caught, he? Caught the back shoulder this time. That was a great kind of get right moment yes. for him and for Spencer Rattler. Uh, but he's not necessarily exploded onto the scene. This would be a great opportunity for him to do that. Uh, we know what Kennedy Brooks is capable of. So what about Eric Gray, who had his first touchdown as a Sooner against Western Carolina and started to showcase that ability to make guys miss in a phone booth that we knew he was capable of doing? Maybe a big 120-yard performance, you know, 150, 60 total yard performance and a couple touchdowns to announce himself as I can be the workhorse or I can be the versatile X factor in this offense. It needs to happen against Nebraska. I'm going to anticipate Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray are on the field at some point together Saturday. Brady. A lot. Didn't they do that with Jeremiah Hall? And that was the first and only time that that play they've shown that. Was it Jeremiah and Jane Knowles? It was Brooks. Brooks. Oh, Brooks. Okay. Brooks was lead blocking. Yeah. Just like we anticipated. <laughs> Uh, and they're running split zone. It's a play they ran in 19. They ran it in 18 too with Sermon and and uh, Sermon and Brooks. And then 19, Ramondre was just a bowling ball as yeah. a blocker, and Brooks was so good too. So they. By, uh, by the way, I don't know if you caught the Dolphins and Patriots. I did. Did you see how the Patriots lost? I did not. Uh, their starting running back fumbled. Ramondre fumbled. Not Ramondre. Well, he had a fumble in the game, didn't he? I do not know because I th- that game was not on TV. You'll have to check that. But a running back not named Ramondre Stevenson fumbled, and the Dolphins were covered. Like it was, I think, in the red zone. The Patriots are down a point. Dolphins recovered and then just ran out the clock and won the game. You know, Ramondre had a fumbling issue at Oklahoma. He just recovered all of them. He just yeah, exactly. Which is not a fumbling <laughs> issue. <laughs> but I, I just saw that without seeing the game. So if Ramondre had a fumble in the game, then this kind of goes out the window. But I saw that and thought. Hmm, a running back not named Ramondre just fumbled and it lost them the game. Belichick is like, Sayonara, whoever you are, I'm going full on with Ramondre Stevenson at this point. So I Yeah, it was a short pass. So it was the 21st play of the game and Ramondre fumbled after catching a short pass. So Never mind then. Well, I mean, like I said, the but fumbling issue was there at Oklahoma. He just somehow recovered all of them. So... I want to focus on the on the Nebraska, like you said, the offensive players, because I, I, you're talking about the skill guys. It's time for one of these offensive linemen to take over. Anton Harrison, you're, it's time. This it, is a very good test, too, because if Nebraska has a strength, it's in their front seven. It's particularly their defensive line. It is. It is. And I, it's just time, man. It's like Andrew Rame, figure out a way to start this week. Like I, I would assume you'd ha- you've had enough time to practice now. Yeah, you. We've, we've been beating day- around the bush about that. You've had ten days off because <laughs> you were had COVID, and you know it's it's time. It you know he looked, God, he looks he just I hate Robert Condrell has been solid enough to where if he you know somebody got hurt and he needed to come in and play guard, he's a lesser Swenson. I th- I mean I think they're almost the same person. Like it's so weird. Yeah. Swenson's actually looked pretty good at guard. 
mean, which makes sense. Still slow when he pulls. Still slow. You know who's not? Again, you're talking about guys that need – this is Chris Murray. Go dominate Saturday. Anton Harrison, go dominate Saturday. Yeah, not good in – like, basically adopt the attitude Alex Grinch had going into the Western Carolina game of, like, okay is not good enough. That's the second time a defense has been threatened by Grinch. I'm starting to get worried what the third one's going to look like. (laughs) He said he was going to brand them with 119th pass defense before he got there. (laughs) That was great. And then what did he say? No, no, coach. Ah! What did he he say about the Western? He's like, he threatened them for what? Like to what he threatened them and said something. What was the quote from Grinch? He also made a very interesting one today and basically like called out the defense of like the guys that were returning, like it's time for you guys stop to being the 2020 version of yourself. Ooh, yeah. And I thought that was really interesting today. He's he's very good at communicating what needs to be said. Mm-hmm. It, like he's very good at that. I mean, you'd think that it'd be easy. Like, okay, this is a problem. We'll communicate that. Some people struggle with that. Sometimes I feel like I struggle with that. Alex Grinch is very good at getting to the point and getting people to understand it. Mm-hmm. No, no doubt. Um, you want to touch on that real quick? We don't have to do a lot. I said we'd talk more about it on Thursday, but it concern you at all? guys? How many guys have been open last couple weeks? Particularly on the first or second drive Western Carolina had. They they punted just because like a, a guy either dropped drop. it or the quarterback was wildly inaccurate. That third inaccurate. and 13 where the guy was the slant that was open. Yeah. Yeah. Were they running cover two? I mean, man, like, I was trying to, like, figure that out. It looked like they were running cover four, and then Danny Stutzman had the running back in the flats. And Stutzman was very good at identifying, like, guys in the flat. Like, I, I don't know what he's supposed to do, but I feel like when he just kind of fans out immediately at the snap, he, like, he would always, like, throw his arm up, I would assume, to identify to the safeties in the back and the guys in the back that I've got this guy over here mm-hmm. or he's going to fan out so I've already read the play so that I mean that's that's great to see let's from hope a in the future he doesn't have to do that and point it out so the defense doesn't know because it made it really easy on that quarterback <laughs> but to your point yep. you want to see that uh, poor Latrell McCutcheon had the same thing and got caught looking at his wristband on that snap. Uh, oh, yeah. So, but Who also started. He did start and then was replaced after that play. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's, it is what it is. I wanted to focus on the, on the play calling because we talked about it week one um, from defensively. It just, man, it, I said this. It's been, it's two years now. The tape's out. You hear me talk about the Texas Tech game from last year constantly. Since that game happened, it's like if Tech doesn't have two drops that would go right into Trey Norwood's hands, that game gets really interesting because that's how you beat Oklahoma's defense. RPOs get those safeties that are really aggressive flying downhill, uh, linebackers that are really aggressive filling the gaps, and you throw it behind them. And I'm not going to sit here and say the LSU game, that's how they lost. That's that's not how they lost. Ronnie, we again, we talked about it. We talked about this last week, like Ronnie Perkins' value in that game. But Brady, it's just, it's one of those things, like I, I don't worry about it because at some point the defensive lines is going to dominate and it's going to dominate everybody until they get to a, a game or point in the season where they play an offensive line that's worth anything and there's not one in this league that is. Um, so... You know, maybe it doesn't come back to bite them until later in the year, but I would anticipate there is a game at some point where a team's going to have Grinches to a T, and it's going to be another one of those issues. And, you know, I wonder, and this is what I'm going to say, like, this is kind of a coaching thing, and it's everybody, you know? And it's like, 
you sometimes I feel like coaches f- fall so in love with something because it's worked. Like they're they don't adjust quick enough, and that kind of worries me. And I hate to say it like a little bit, but at the same time, like I said, Brady, defensive <laughs> line's so damn good. Like maybe it's not even an issue come week six. So so your major hangup is like Grinch has like a bread and butter, and if it's not working after you know some indetermined amount of plays, sure he doesn't do something else. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like he that doesn't seem like there's been an adjustment. Yeah. It hasn't come back to bite him besides the Kansas State game. Yeah. In Tulane. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um I mean to that I would just I would just say and I mean who I don't know anything. I'm not a coach, but yep. I would just assume that Grinch is trying to play to the strengths of the defense and the strength of the defense is the defensive line. The defensive line should then execute if the defensive line executes, then any problems that we've seen are probably as a result of the defensive line not doing what Grinch thinks that it's capable of doing or what he sees in practice every day. Like, why aren't you doing this consistently, everybody? Because if you don't do it, then the linebackers potentially are left out to dry or the defensive backs are going to be a few yards off of a receiver on a third and 13, and then, oh, he just dropped it, thank God. Yeah, and that's my that's my biggest thing. It's just... Just to note it, we're having the conversation now. <laughs> we're not sitting here saying it's going to be an issue moving forward. I don't know if it will be. It's just a it's a concern because it's been two straight games, you know, where it seems like sometimes, you know, kind of overthink some things. But regardless of that, not a critic of Grinch. Uh, Grinch thwa- you hate him. It's okay. <laughs> Definitely not. Grinch has been – I made the joke on Saturday, Brady. It's real funny how – the word out of Columbus was that Grinch was a problem. Mm, 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 mm. And that, my friend, is how you segue. You, you know who is a problem? Maybe the defensive coordinator at Ohio State right now. Or the guy that was there with Grinch. Mm, Mr. Kerry Coombs? Is that his I, name? I, I've said it for six months, Brady. Ever since the Ohio State season ended, I got access to all 22 that he has. That defense has a stench to it. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> a particular stench. And I'm going to play a soundbite from the Cover 3 podcast. Who was the gentleman who actually said this soundbite? Bud Elliott. Bud, Mr. Bud Elliott. One of the, our one of the best college football guys we have right now. Yeah. Literally, uh, for now. On the Cover 3 <laughs> podcast, which we've mentioned before on this show because Danny Cannell's on it, and Danny Cannell is a... Uh, what did we say at the same time? Did we say fuck Danny Cannell, or did we say Danny Cannell's a fucking idiot? We, we said something we to said that. STFU, Danny. Yeah, like it wasn't planned. It just kind of happened. It was one of those special things. But this is from Bud Elliott on the Cover 3 podcast, and I assume this just dropped within the last day or so. Yeah, so, it was today. Yeah, so let's uh, listen to the clip. You would tear them up, and I've seen enough now. Like Ryan Day, this is like – Kerry Combs is, is Ryan Day's Mike Stoops. Eventually, you got to fire him because you're going to keep wasting all these great offenses. Oh, boy. <laughs> that is delicious. <laughs> you want to move on and talk about the rest of the it was a it is too I, we may, we talked about 2007 a lot of people have man this chaos utter chaos everywhere well it's it's not chaos just yet it's not 2007 just yet because yeah because Rutgers was in the top 10 because of it all what weren't they wasn't that the year Rutgers was the top five team South Florida got up to number two 
um, when they had that one guy who, who was their head coach, and he was like the defensive coordinator at Colorado like a few years ago. <laughs> I'm about uh, to look this I up. I think he was a Youngstown. Like he had some connection to the Stoops family. Maybe he was just from Ohio. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, South Florida was up there. West Virginia probably was the best team in the country. And then they just simply lost to Pittsburgh at the end of the year because their field goal kicker missed like three this. or four. He went Michael Honeycutt against K-State. Um, and then as a result, oh, you had to play that same West Virginia team and got smacked. So in week 12 of 2007, Brady, here was your top five. LSU was number one. They ended up, I think, winning it all that year. Right? Yeah, they, they beat a, a very overrated Ohio State team. Kansas was ranked number two that week, week 12 on November 18th. Missouri was ranked third, West Virginia fourth. <laughs> Missouri got up to number one and when OU beat them in the Big 12 title game after already beating them earlier that year. Week six, ready for this? LSU was ranked first. Cal was ranked second. Cal Berkeley was ranked second. Ohio State third. Boston College was ranked fourth. South Florida was ranked fifth. What year was Rutgers good? That was 07. It was 07? Yes, or might have been 06. Yeah, it had to have been because I don't see them ranked. Yeah. Because I know they got in the top 10 because I remember watching the Ray Rice game. That yeah, Ray Rice was 2006. So, God, it, it it's just nuts, man. There, I was going to say, I know this goes into the different side of this, but the amount of underdogs that are covering is insane. I know you're not too big into the sports betting world, but it is nuts. Well, it's I all think, nuts. I think a lot of it just comes from perhaps some not incorrect data but just incomplete un- incomplete data because people like our good friend and he's more than a recurring guest now on this podcast but Peyton Guthrie he he really tries to hammer home the point that teams are basically what they are year in you know, like year from one year to the next like what we saw out of Oklahoma last year they're going to be very much the same thing you just hope that they've made improvements and built upon that sure. you can't assume that with every team uh, but I think using a lot of the data from last year is just really – it's starting to show, A, how silly preseason polls are in any season, any given year, uh, but also especially this year because a lot of the things that we assumed from last year going into this year, both good and bad, have been basically flipped upside down. Thrown out the window. Let me say this. There is – being it a COVID like pandemic year and all teams dealing with – the same disadvantages, but very unique ones at the same time because it's a virus that affects everybody differently. I think we weighed returning production too much this year. I think yes. that's a major fact. And um, look no further than OU. Facts. And Game one, yeah. So I, I think we weighted a little too much um, across the board, and it's showing. Brady, they're of uh, 50. I think there's 50 of these rankings that are this guy tracks, these polls, you know, F. ESPN's FPI is in it. A ton of the top modeling and analytics people's, they're all under 50% against the spread. It has just been, it's been a crazy year. And I mean, I'm talking about not just SP plus, but it, you know, it's just, everything's just kind of wild and off the wall a little bit. I mean, like we were talking about USC before we came on, obviously a team that Brady and I both picked and I, you know, was pretty confident in it once, I mean, I think the same day Herm Edwards and the NCAA stuff came down is when I said it <laughs> for that reasoning. Um, who Arizona State was in a dogfight with UNLV on Saturday. I don't know if you saw that. Not good for the Pac-12 outside of Oregon. But it's just 
it's one of those crazy years. I mean, USC was, everybody, by all accounts, was a top 15 team heading into Saturday. And then just personal fouled and pass interference their way to a loss against Stanford. Like, it's just, it's been a, it's a crazy year. Um, I don't know, of like, what to expect. Like, like Oklahoma's a 22.5-point favorite this week, Brady. And, like, if I did, we didn't pick it for the Patreon, like, I would stay away from that game. Like completely. Yeah. How how are the uh, the pick'em scores going on our Patreon page so far? I haven't. I obviously I do it on Thursday, so I haven't added up last week's. I mean, but like taking ex- like, I'm I'm frustrated at 11, 11, 11 You know, a lot of people have seen that now, but I'm frustrated at it. But also at the same time, like looking at it, all the data people and like all the stuff that's going around. You know, it's yeah. like, man, I'm actually doing pretty good. <laughs> you know, it's like. It's like so. It's going well. There's a couple, couple guys. Like I haven't looked at everybody's from last week, but I would anticipate that a lot of people were kind of the same, you know, in terms of everybody could probably went 500 last week. The Ohio State game flipped a lot of picks. Um, you know, a lot of people had NC State over Mississippi State last week. So, I mean, I can tell you from our perspective, seven of the eight games I picked for my the Sharp Rank website. Like Steven Plasance's model and I agreed on it, and I went four and four. Yeah, you know, so it's like it's one of those weird things, and I don't look at that model whenever I make picks either. Like I, it's one of our things. So it's a crazy year, um, but God, there were some fascinating outcomes on Saturday. Just fascinating. I mean, Oregon beating Ohio State the way they did. Now, pat ourselves on the back a little bit. We were all over that all off season once we got Anthony Brown's tape the Iowa State game where he actually looked like a competent quarterback in that game. But it's one of those just – how do I say this? It's just weird, man. Like, the, the landscape is just – I don't know. It feels like we're like – Well, each week has a chance to, like, be an earthquake. You know what I'm saying? Are your big lighthouses for that, you know, in terms of maybe this season being very similar to 2007, are your big lighthouses for that – obviously Ohio State because we've already talked about them getting – Dominated at home. Dominated. Dominated at home. It was, it, you, you watched that game for five minutes and you knew who the better team was. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you could see talent every every once in a while from Ohio State that was better than Oregon, but like there was a you better can't team. Be, you can't be getting beat for three and a half quarters and then for someone to pop up and be like, well, Ohio State, I'll play them in the final six to ten minutes. Like That just doesn't work. It's just not. Yeah. That doesn't work. So, obviously, Ohio State. Are the other two Iowa State and Texas? Iowa, or, Iowa State was predictable. Or, or for, Iowa State and USC. Or Texas and USC. Yeah, Iowa State was predictable because that's how, if you go look at the 2019 game, uh, I was, in the last two games, Iowa's turnover margins plus seven. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit predictable. It's hard to anticipate how many turnovers can happen in a game. For Iowa State moving forward in my head, it's going to be one and a half. So like take Oklahoma in 2019, right? The final like three games, I finally got to the point, Brady, where I'm like, Oklahoma's going to turn the football over twice on offense. It's just going to happen. Like, you know, account for that and then move forward. Yeah. And it's, that's probably something we're going to do with Iowa State. So that was a little more predictable. I think the the crazy one was Arkansas, and like you know, I look at the post game data and all that. I mean, they had a 99% win expectancy. Like if that game was played again, they win 99% of the time. Yeah, because Texas can't rush the passer they can't stop the run that defensive line is that that is a bad bad defensive line 
it was and, the and line, it was the linebackers, man. We were talking. God, they were awful. I mean, they were letting lanes open all game. I mean, weren't their linebackers supposed? To, I might be misremembering this. Weren't their linebackers supposed to be the strength of the defense? No, it was the tackles, the defensive tackles, who I thought played pretty good. It's their their edge rushers are not good, and their linebackers were awful. Yeah, and, it, and it's not even for the Mike Stoops reason, where like the 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 front four are just or the front three are just taught to like. Basically, catch, block, catch bodies. Yeah, catch bodies and stand there. Mm-hmm. They were actively trying to, you know, get upfield and get home, but they just couldn't move anybody in front of them. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, like Pittman's Arkansas Razorbacks, like if they have a strength, it was always going to be their offensive line because just because of the philosophy. But I didn't think it was going to be that much of a strength against Texas. Mm-hmm. And it was so eye opening just how bad the trenches are for the for the Longhorns. And uh, I mean it. It furthers on the point that when OU and Texas meet on their annual date, which apparently, I don't know if you saw this tweet, but mm. apparently there might be some, there might be a night game in Dallas. I don't think so, because I'll say this right now. That's if, not happening. If that's a seven o'clock kickoff, people will die. People will die. And I don't want that to happen. It doesn't it doesn't need to be a night game. It sucks that it's 11 a.m. You wish it was at 2.30, but it's OU Texas, so it has a gigantic national pool for that reason. Uh, I was going to read this real quick. Yeah, go ahead. This was in the analysis from the Friday Night Musings post on Saturday on on the Patreon. It's pretty funny looking back on these, Brady. Well, Longhorns showed their weaknesses along the offensive line and still didn't see much out of their linebackers in that game against Louisiana. That was my take. The pass rush was not there, and that was disappointing to see. Learn more about Hudson Card and the Texas offense this week. Learn less about the Texas defense. My bad. I did miss on that. So, we what we learned is that the same issues we talked about this last year in the Oklahoma game. Remember that the Demar Demarvion Overshone was just not like he was going. The eyes were always in the wrong place. Yeah, going to play, going on, you know, taking running backs in the flat that he didn't need to, or a wide receiver leaving gaps open. Like everybody was sold fool's gold that he was going to make this Kenneth Murray jump and like this and that. So they have the things on defense, Brady are correctable. Like you talk about, you know, I'm not going to sit here and compare it to the Kansas state 2019 Oklahoma game by any means, not at all, but the same point to it, like the defensive stuff, I think some film correctable, just play 11 man football kind of stuff. The offense I mean, I thought they were going to be bad this year offensively, as you know. I didn't think it was going to be that bad. They ran two or they ran no RPOs on Saturday. Sark against Arkansas. He was awful, and then he made an emotional decision, and it's now I can, we can get into that. But it's just well, I, that I whole thing. I don't. That whole thing's a cluster. Why do you think it was an emotional like to bench Hudson Card? Yeah, I think he just had to do something because the fans were so mad and like people I, probably had heat on him. I didn't see it as like fan pressure. I just saw it as this kid has talent. He's young. Mm-hmm. If he if I keep him out here, I could David Carr his career. Sure. That, there are just times where you've got to look at the bigger picture. Texas wasn't coming back in that game, and keeping Hudson Card out there with that offensive line would have. It could potentially, you know, snowball, mm-hmm. you know, especially moving forward because the schedule is not going to get any easier once they get into conference n- now, according to how good or bad they are. Um, I think they got Kahari Coleman and two, they got Kahari Coleman and TCU in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I, 
talked to you about this before we went on, but I, I think Casey Thompson is just closer to like whatever his ceiling is. I think he is closer to it than what Hudson Card is. And so with that, with that in mind, I think playing Casey Thompson just gives you the better chance to run whatever offense you want to run. Casey can run it better than what Hudson can do right now. And that gives Texas and Sark the best, the best chance at having some identity and just, you know, having the Grinch approach of we're not going to be great at a zillion things, but we can be really, really good at one or two things and just run those, run that thing. Mm-hmm. So, but again, it just further on the point that when OU and Texas meet, Oh, you need to kick the shit out of them. I said that Lincoln, if they were right? going to be yeah. five and zero, oh, or if, oh, yeah, yeah, they oh, should have yeah. they should have done it. Regardless, because where Texas's weaknesses are at now, like the running game for Oklahoma against Texas, like don't anticipate them running the ball at the middle that well. But what we did learn is that if you do attack Texas's defense in a way that, well. If Jalen Hurts was quarterback and they did the run game stuff that I've been just drooling over with Caleb Williams, the potential there, that's the stuff that it was clear those linebackers were not disciplined. There was two guys filling gaps. I mean, it was just, it was a weird 10-man defensive performance, but I, I think that you want to talk about showing some cracks in the foundation that was left over. It was definitely that. I mean... I'm not going to sit here and say that Texas doesn't have talent. Like, that's that's not true. But anybody watching them and thinking that offensive line or that linebacker room was anywhere it, that it needs to be for the University of Texas is just, like, what was Tom doing? Yeah. Uh, was it Bamani Jones? Somebody mentioned that on Twitter Saturday night that Texas – or no, it was Mike Finger. Oh, yeah, that, was, my, that was a really good yeah. tweet. Uh, about how, look, the last coach didn't leave a lot in the cupboard for Sarkeesian, but this is this is the second or third time this has happened in the last 10 years. That was really funny. And, you know, like, oh, you went kind of through that with the 90s, you know, the end of the Gibbs era, and then hiring Schnellenberger was a bad decision, and then hiring John Blake was a worse decision. Somehow it was a worse decision. Uh, but fortunately they rebounded and made the right decision sure. right after that. So it didn't have the – didn't have, like, the potential of it rotting – from the inside and being too much of a cleanup job, you know, oh, you got to avoid that because they made a right decision and a smart one. But, you know, Texas is, um, Texas is really, really interesting because uh, I'll give credit where credit's due. Kerry Murdoch pointed this out on, um, I think the post game pod they do on Sooner Scoop. The, uh, it's not the unofficial 40. I think it's just called the, yeah, it's, it's the Pooner Sooner Scoop post game show. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever that one's called. But he mentioned that, Texas is just historically bad at developing quarterbacks. And a light bulb went off in my head, and I'm like, oh, my God, they are. You're really bad. Like, we, we, we've, whenever we talk about Texas, like, on a historical level, we, we always, like, look at the results. And we always, like, look at all these three, four, five lost seasons, knowing their talent, knowing their proximity to talent, knowing how they always get great recruits, great classes, and yet they have all these three, four lost seasons. Well, one of the reasons for that is because they are historically bad at developing their damn quarterbacks. Like, Vince Young was not developed. Like, it's very well documented, and Mac Brown will tell you. The reason why Vince Young became great was because Mac Brown stopped coaching him and just said, go be Vince Young. Mm-hmm. Just go out there and play playground football and be the best player on the field. And it worked. Colt McCoy was probably the 
he's the only guy. But, but but the reason why I'd have trouble even saying that was Colt was awesome from day one. Yeah, he was. He just had. He was just special. You know what? OU has OU has seen a lot of. Unfortunately, seen a lot of players who were special from day. Sam Bradford was special from day one. How much development really took place uh, with Sam Bradford? It's kind of hard to say because he just had a very special talent. Um, and also with Colt McCoy and as well as Sam Bradford, they also started on teams who were just littered with talent. Mm-hmm. Like that Colt's freshman year was 06, and they still had a ton of remnants from the 05 national title team. Sam Bradford started 07. We, we know how great and talented that team was. I, but you, you kind of take a, a bigger step back. I mean, Peter Gardere in the early 90s, his only claim to fame is he's the only Texas quarterback to go undefeated against Oklahoma. He's called Peter the Great for that reason. Went 4-0 against the Sooners. But, I mean, those early 90s Texas teams were really nothing to write home about. Chris Sims was never never developed. Oh, I mean, obviously after Colt McCoy, it's it's been bad, 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 bad. Sam Ellinger... He didn't get better from his he sophomore year. Did on. not he plateaued and that was that was that. Yeah, I fell in that trap. So talk it's, about that was that is the quarterback that has made me never assume that a quarterback's going to grow up just because he gets older. Yeah, like that was the pure example. It's of just that. weird to me how like true that statement was about how they just don't develop their quarterbacks. I I, I don't know why. <laughs> well, I can tell you why. They've only had one offensive lineman, two of them drafted in the last decade. Yeah, I mean, again, like a lot of it has to do with just the talent that you have. But when you're talking about Texas, that should not be a problem. That's my big like. I don't understand how the cupboard was left so empty along the offensive line. Tom had four years. You know what I'm saying? And they didn't graduate a lot of. Did they graduate a lot of? No, nope, this is yeah. the same group you saw last year. Well, there, there, there's the problem. That offensive line last year was not very good either. No, and if again, I point this out. I, uh, this is actually a. This is verbatim. I said this to a Texas person Saturday night who was in the press box up at up in Fayetteville, and I said Denzel Okafor should could probably sue Dante Stills from West Virginia for the damage he did to his football career last year in Austin. Dante Stills literally whipped him so bad that Texas could not function on offense. <laughs> Big yikes. And <laughs> Again, whenever you, that happens and Denzel Okafor, like, it pops up on the depth chart. Like, I literally looked at their depth chart and I saw who was at left tackle and I saw who was at left guard. And I was like, I don't... And then Sark this week's going to say that he's going to change, make a change at quarterback but not along the offensive line. Like, that... Again, I, I think the big red flag for me, Brady, was like, you did have a seven-month offseason, right? That You had a quarterback battle in the spring that went to, through fall camp. And you chose your guy. It was Hudson Card, and it was Hudson, obviously, from the beginning after spring. And I just, you know, pulling the plug on that, like, that just worries me that, like, is Sark going to make more, like, quick? I'm not saying this was a rash or super emotional decision, but, like, that just seems almost like putting the problems offensively on him. Like, and I just don't. 
again, like unless I'm completely misinterpreting what happened, I think right. it just has more to do with I don't want to get him killed or sink his confidence yeah. any more than where it probably is right now. Well, at the University of Texas, you get benched at quarterback. Everybody talks about it. Yeah, that's well, a, and that's the other thing Bob, too. Bob so, did the same thing. Yeah, Bob did the same thing, but he had made the opposite decision prior to benching his quarterback. You know, halfway through the first game, you know, he he started Paul Thompson, which is more akin to like starting Casey Thompson to start the year because at the time Paul was much closer to his ceiling than what Brett Bomar was because Bomar was just a redshirt freshman. Right. Casey Thompson much closer to his ceiling, I assume, than Hudson Card for the same reason. And then, you know, it took a half for Bob to just go, screw this, I'm going all in with Brett Bomar for the rest of the year and for the future. We're like, we're just not going to be good this year. We're going to have to, like, have a lot of growing pains. So that's why it was even surprising to me that Sarkeesian went with Hudson Carr to start the year off. Because if you already f- believe that it's there's going to be some growing pains, we don't have the talent, you need to pick the guy who gives you the best chance to win games today, not two, three years down the road. Like The development can just happen by virtue of him being in the program right. and learning every day under you. You don't want to get him killed. And also... If you know that it's going to be an uphill battle and there are going to be some pitfalls here and there, and you understand that I will bench the quarterback if X, Y, and Z happens, then you want to bench the upperclassman for the young kid, not the young kid for the upperclassman. That that maybe that's just an old school way of thinking, right? And I, but my biggest problem, more than anything, we can talk about Sark and like the decision he made. The fact that this con- quarterback conversation is ongoing still is completely on him, and. That's that's the job at Texas, <laughs> as I told you before I came on, or maybe said earlier. Uh, it sounds like a lot of the Texas media was melting down with the fan base on Saturday night, and it's just all part of the problem down there. It just is. So everybody thinks they have the the idea to fix it all. I know, and, and everybody wants the credit for it. That's why I put up the red flag about it, and who knows, I. I still think that defense is going to be fine. Like, they fell down to the 50s. Like, I would buy them down here, like, for no doubt. I think they're going to be – again, it was a lot of 10-man football. Like, you've heard Lincoln and Alex Grinch say that a lot whenever they struggle. Like, we, we were playing t- – we, we, the 11th guy on one play was an issue. Like, that was it. It's like we were playing a lot of 10-man football. That's what it sounds like. Um, but, I mean, their offense is only at 19th or something, Brady, and I'm selling the shit out of that. I don't. Their offense that. is ranked nineteenth. I I need to. I, I can pull it up right now. The University of Texas. The one that yes, the one that I was just like what? Yeah. What, preseason when they were ranked eighteenth or whatever offensively, it's just like. Yeah, I try to avoid bullshit bullshit as much as I can. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's bullshit. Uh, you want to go to the USC conversation because it does affect Oklahoma a little bit in terms of the playoff. Well, how does it uh, how does it affect them? I think it, I think it gives them a kind of a little room for error. Well, I mean, Oregon just replaced USC, so until Oregon loses, right? Well, what if OU had had an uphill battle, which I don't think they do. I think they started so high, highly in a lot of people's minds that if they just simply do what they're supposed to do, the Pac-12 can go undefeated, and OU will still get in. Now you can have the you can have the opinion that well, Oregon's going to have that Ohio State win if Oregon goes undefeated and OU goes undefeated. And OU truly doesn't play anybody worth a shit on their schedule in terms of the ranking. And it comes down to those two. Like, won't the committee put Oregon in? 
I don't know what Ohio State's going to do the rest of the year either with how bad they showed and with how, quite frankly, how good the Big Ten appears to be. The Big Ten looks fairly, you know, fairly good. Got to be careful. Michigan beat a horrible Washington. We I have was, been. I wasn't. The, like, admittedly, I was not thinking of Michigan. <laughs> the Michigan beat. I mean, I mean, you do. Again, we we do. We both look at data and, and the stuff. I mean, Michigan's up to six. The SP Plus, and I'm selling them there. Penn State. I mean, got lucky to beat Wisconsin. Like they had four explosive plays, and Wisconsin didn't score three times when they were inside Penn State's ten. Like that just can't happen. So we'll learn a little bit about Penn State. They got Auburn this week. It's a pretty fun week uh, in college football. But I was going to say on the USC thing, I, I think that whenever a, a team that has a schedule like that, Brady, that plays into their favor, you know, whenever that team can get knocked off, there is a little more room. Like I'm not sitting here and yeah. saying and Oklahoma is in a, in a tough spot, but – like, Oregon obviously was anticipated losing to Ohio State where they couldn't have lost another game the rest of the year, you know, and, and you know won the Pac-12 championship, whatever. I don't know if Oregon and UCLA play because I know USC and Oregon don't. So, I'm about to look at the schedule USC's right now. USC's kind of fucked. I mean, they, <laughs> I mean, for the obvious reasons, of course, but, I mean, that BYU game at the end of the year doesn't look any easier than it did. Man, they look good this year, BYU, BYU does. It, I, People, think, I was expecting a I think fall I, off. I think I mentioned BYU being not an easy game for USC to end out the year, but it shouldn't matter because it's not a conference game, so it's not going to, going to affect them. In Oregon has to go on the road to UCLA October 23rd. Oh, the Pac-12 is going to cannibalize. they got to go on the road to Utah. Oh, man. Yeah, Oregon's losing a game. Woof. Now, if there's an Oregon through the keyhole podcast out there, they, they're probably saying the same thing about Oklahoma, and recent history would give them you know the right sure. to say that. But... OU, I think, is better than Oregon. I un, unequ- It's almost unequivocally, like, if I'm projecting 10 weeks from now, like, I would take Oklahoma by, up to six and a half, by a touchdown. Like, I'd feel comfortable picking them by seven in that game. Yeah, I mean, OU just, they're a better version of Oregon. I mean, I think they've got a better defense than Ohio State. I think they've got a better offense than Ohio State. Well... Well, depending on what the offensive line picture looks like in about two weeks. That's kind of the thing. So, I, I guess to round out the podcast, because we'll, we'll, of course, get into a deeper dive on what ne- the challenges Nebraska kind of bring about on the Thursday podcast, which will go up on Patreon first for the first 24 hours. And then after that, it is free for everybody who has subscribed and follows along on this podcast feed. Uh, but just a little extra benefit if you are subscribed to our Patreon page, you get that podcast first. But we'll get into more X's and O's Nebraska on Thursday. We'll also kind of run around the Big 12. OSU looks like an awful, awful football team. Um, The Big 12 just got bitch slapped in the face. We kind of talked about that on the postgame pod on Saturday. TCU Cal was not a good look. Well, I mean, those are two defensive coaches. Sure. It looked like a game played by two defensive-minded coaches. Yeah. But that doesn't excuse a lot of the offensive ineptitude. Again, I mean, Max Duggan just has not completely – well, it, it falls into that category of – How much of it is him and how much of it is – his The fact that Gary has offensive coordinators that he has handcuffed. Yeah. Or wants them to do something that doesn't fit. Like, if Max Duggan ran the 2019 Oklahoma offense, like, you could convince me that he could be really good. But – 
they're trying to make him a raid quarterback and have him be a running quarterback. And like, it just, it's weird. Uh, Kansas state only beating Southern Illinois by two, I think not good. It's not good. But when you lose your quarterback like that in such a, the weird, way it did. weirdly emotional way. I can see how that drains a team. I mean, Chris Kleiman was about ready to cry. cry. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows, man? I mean, you look at the league at large. I I just, it's hard to like tech. Well, you know, I mentioned this, right? Like Texas tech's performance. I'm reading my, 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 uh, post from Friday, Brady. Um, <laughs> I mean, Exactly what I said. Red Raiders benefited from some major plus and turnover luck against Houston. Good Lord, did that show up on against Stephen F. Austin. The, have you seen Shuck's pick six from Saturday? I haven't. Oh, Brady. It is awful. It is. It's Trevor Knight, Kansas State bad. Mm. So, Oklahoma State's got to figure it out. Go on the road to Boise this week. Boise, pretty good football team. Um, it's an intriguing week. It is a it is a learning week in college football this week. Penn State, Auburn, Michigan State, Miami. Um, I mean, I'm I'm excited. It's it's I, getting it's getting to that point where we're starting. After this week, we have a lot more answers about who some of these teams are. Yeah, I mean, weeks three, four, and five are basically when you start to understand. Okay, these four or five teams are threatening for the playoff, and then that you know those those five teams kind of separate themselves from the pack and then everybody just kind of cares about their respective favorite team at that point. So of course you hope that OU dominates Nebraska like they should. I I said it to a bunch of my friends Um, at this point, despite what we've seen and with a lot of the, uh, I I don't even want to call them problems just yet with this team because it's week one, week two. I would rather OU not be at its ceiling right now. (laughs) Yes. So, I would just call them things that they need to work on and they, they will improve upon because every OU team under Riley has gotten better as the season has wor- worn along. That's the one thing from the Stoops era that's rang true. Yeah. So despite all that, despite the bad things we've seen, if OU doesn't win by at least three touchdowns against Nebraska on Saturday, I'll be a little disappointed on the postgame pod. It's, it is a, it is a statement game Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's a skill position guy kind of announcing himself, like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, you, you know, also rightly saying the offense, some the offensive line needs to just dominate. The offensive line needs to assert. I would say assert itself because Nebraska's D line is going to win some battles. Like it's not going to be an absolute cakewalk unless OU just is humming on offense. And we we've seen OU do this in non-conference before, where like everything they do just works. So I I think. Uh, at the end of the day, that, <laughs> I mean, OU's in a good spot. Considering where they began, I think what we've been saying after the Tulane game, that that game had to absolutely be the lesson for this team. Because if it wasn't, then this team will lose two or three games. I think after Western Carolina, we can at least say, okay, they put their best foot forward in the proper direction. It's we'll about see, stacking those yeah, weeks, though. We'll see if they can continue to do that. I mean, remember Baker, he, I hate to even go back and even use him or, like, compare anything to it, but, I mean, that was really his attitude. Like, you'd, he'd get there in the press room. I covered that team in 17, and it was like, we got work to do this week. Like, I hate to put the whole lunch pail, hard nose, coach's kid, kind of put that in Baker, but, like, it was true. I mean, they he would come in every week, 
especially after the Iowa State game. It was like, we got to get better. Like, we got to go work. We got to do this. And that team, God, they got better as the year went on. Um, 2019, Jalen, oh, not throwing shit, I promise you. I'm just saying, problem. like, that team did get better, just the turnovers just didn't go away. So, it's – um. It's a it's time, man. This is it's an exciting week. I, I again, I know Nebraska. We haven't gotten into any of the Nebraska stuff. I wanted to comment on your Monday post because I have my Nebraska story. Ooh, yes, that gives me a good opportunity to get to the post because I actually xed out of it to check a BYU score. But yes, every Monday I write the Monday post. I'll ask a question of the week. I'll read it aloud on this podcast for our patrons, and if you want to be involved with that. All you got to do is follow along at patreon.com slash through the keyhole. And most of the time, I'll probably give out I'll probably give out a uh, t-shirt or, or some random prize probably next week because, like I said earlier, Matt Burton's not able to produce and really put his stamp on it with the uh, patron answers. So, um, unfortunately, no prize this week. Um, also... Nick, I just wanted to – Nick Jelona, I just wanted to uh, let you know, for whatever reason, I mailed you your shirt last week, and it got sent back, and I checked everything. Everything was the address that you sent me, so I just simply made another label, and hopefully it doesn't get sent back to me, but that's why you haven't received your shirt yet. Apologies for that. I don't know what happened, but if it gets sent back to me, I'll probably just reach out to you on the DMs on Patreon, and we'll – hopefully get that sorted out. But yeah, next week we will return to uh, the winner of the question of the week. Once Matt Burton has returned, uh, winner of the question of the week gets a prize. But yeah, I asked everybody on the page on the Monday post for their OU Nebraska memories, but Keegan, I guess we'll start with yours. I was at the last, that was my first game away from Norman to get traveled to was the last OU Nebraska game. That was my first big toll title, big toll championship game. I sat by myself surrounded by a bunch of Nebraska people. And I was like, I think we were all surrounded by Nebraska people. They outnumbered OU fans like seven to three. It, is, it was a gigantic Nebraska presence. Yeah, I which, can't. Wa- I can't wait till great. Sat- I can't wait till Saturday and big. There's the nicest people. I love it. It's so weird. Yeah, I, I hope that the game day atmosphere is as fun as it can be, and if not, even more fun. I hope Nebraska fans understand what they're walking into. And, and look. They do. Uh, I, I'm I'm getting a little nervous. I, I've written about this on the, on the Patreon page, I think, a few weeks ago or a few months ago about how, oh, man, the Nebraska game's starting to worry me because we are just all assuming. We're all assuming OU's going to kick their ass. And we assume that because we have to, because OU's the better team. But it is what it is. It's still a game. So Nebraska, quote, unquote, has a chance. But I hope Nebraska fans still show out, come down, and have a good time. I hope they... You know, we haven't been to Norman in a long time. This game means a lot more than just the game itself. It means a lot more than just that. Right. So I hope game day atmosphere is noticeably just different than what it typically is when an opponent comes to town, especially a helmet school or a blue blood former, whatever you want to call them, comes to town. Um, because you know where our tail, where the tailgate spot is, Keegan. You've been there a few times now. Um I, I just I want to have fun with a lot of Nebraska fans walking by, so that's my. Uh, hopefully, it's kind of this, not seven to three because this is a this is a 
OU home game, but hopefully there is a large Nebraska presence. And there will be. I, I would anticipate a lot of people have the nostalgia about the series, and Joe Castiglione and them haven't announced, but they said in the offseason they had a bunch of cool stuff lined up for the game. So I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, it, is, it is one of those things that when you talk to people a lot older than us, Brady, like they're all so excited for this, and I just – for me, in my lifetime, like all I know is Nebraska's ceiling is nine and three. So happy for all of you that are going to get to get the nostalgia from this game. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, and uh, it would, that's what I was going to say is my uh, that was my know you Nebraska was that game and getting to know Nebraska's fan base and OU's defense played really well that game and Landry picked it up after the first quarter. So it was a uh, had his greatest play as an Oklahoma Sooner in that game. You know which one I'm talking about? Nope. It was a fourth and one, and Kevin Wilson called a play action naked bootleg rollout. <sighs> I do remember the scramble time. for Landry Jones, and everybody bit on it. Even I did because I watched Demarco Murray take the <laughs> fake handoff and just run into a brick wall, and I almost started to like, damn it. And I just heard like that side of the stadium start cheering. I'm like, what's going on? And I look over and Landry Jones is slowly getting away for like a 15 yard game, but it was the best play he ever made as a Sooner. And they had never run that. I don't never. think. Never. And, and rightfully so. <laughs> it's like asking Dan Reno to, to run an RPO. Like, well, what are we doing? <laughs> you, do, you don't do that. But let's get to the patron answers real quick. Mark H., who is a former winner of the Question of the Week, got a uh, T-shirt a few weeks ago. Hopefully, Mark, you enjoyed it. Uh, but he writes in, Drink every time Brady complains about the OU Nebraska game being at 11 a.m. Because I wrote about that earlier in the post, so of course. My favorite memory, and this is Mark again, will always be the last time these two teams met, way back in 2010. Landry Jones, statistically the greatest quarterback in OU history. Look it up. Sing, sing you, or single-handedly will his team from a 17-point deficit to win the Big 12 championship. There's nothing wrong in that statement. Nothing wrong whatsoever. I mean, the defense played a big part in it. It's good to see Taylor Martinez is reincarnated in Stillwater. I know. Is it like is OU just like when OU goes up to Lincoln? Because that's not next. Is that next, next year? year? Is it next year? Is yeah. there another Martinez on campus? No. <laughs> Thank you, God. You Thank missed God. my comp to Spencer Sanders, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fairly apt, although I think Martinez is a better athlete, right? Probably, yeah, and a little bit Sanders can throw a little bit better, but he can throw the, it a lot better. The turnover to the issues, team. yeah, yeah. The turnover issues are there. The throwing off sideways. Spencer are Sanders there. is probably also getting better coaching. That's probably true. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, have you? We talked about their offense earlier. Anyways, yeah, I'll leave that for Thursday. OSU sucks. Uh, Davis Dunkelberger. I'm too young. So the two things I remember were the awful '09 game where. And Dominican Sue dominated, and I remember he went down with a cramp or something. I said, stay down, and immediately got a spanking because my parents told me, we don't wish injury on any athlete. Your parents raised you very well. The other memory is stopping Nebraska on fourth down to secure the 2010 Big 12 Championship. My family was at a friend's house, and we all went berserk when we won. That is a good one. Well, I mean, a lot of our patrons probably close to our age so i already threw out the 2000 game so if, if we don't hear any 2000 game memories that's why uh, matt writes in i have a question and by no means am i trolling i'm looking for honest answers but what's the deal with playing at 11 a.m why is that so bad and i i kind of answered in that it's because it ruins the game day atmosphere for what should be a fun game day atmosphere. you see ohio state lost some guys that couldn't make it to columbus last weekend 
Oh, really? 11 a.m. kickoff. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Five, uh, Marvin Jones Jr., guy Oklahoma's after. Five-star defensive end from Florida. Had to cancel his official visit to Ohio State because the 11 a.m. kick. Well, it, remember, for Ohio, it's a 12 o'clock kick. They're on Eastern. They're East Coast time. Right. So he was... Which is still, like, he's not He's in Florida. Enough. He yeah. got... He, they said, like, the game got done at 11 or something. It's still a gigantic, like, hurdle. Oh, reminder. Modern Day is on a bye week this week. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Harry Taylor puts in quite a good memory, I must say, because this this game gets forgotten. But it's the last time OU won in Lincoln. It was 2005 when Bomar was a redshirt freshman starting quarterback. It was the game where AD came back from his high ankle sprain. Um, he said that, My dad thought the world of Bomar, but he's only a redshirt freshman. And they had one of the better defenses that year as well, uh, talking about Nebraska. I'll never forget, I told my dad we also had a great running back. My se- my dad says that the ankle might not or may still be bothering him. Guess not because Adrian Peterson was gone. I think he rushed for like 228 yards. I could be wrong in two touchdowns, but AD looked all the bit the legend that he is that day. Alex Bryant, my first OU game in Norman uh, was 2008 with my dad. Uh, he had been given... He had given me the choice of Nebraska or Texas Tech that year because I wanted my first game in Norman to be a win. I picked Nebraska. <laughs> well, hey, it was fun, you know, 28 to nothing, and that was also the day Tech beat Texas. So it was a good day to be an OU fan. I think I fell in love with the idea of going to OU that day, a night game against an old rival and Sam Bradford carving up Nebraska like a Christmas ham. That game, of course, was over in the first five minutes. The environment was rowdy as hell. A few more, Trey Pollard. My favorite memory is the 85 game where Keith Jackson took a reverse 88 yards to the house. I was nine years old. My dad went to the game, and I watched it on TV wishing I was there. After the game, I couldn't wait for him to get home so we could go to the backyard and reenact that play. We probably ran that reverse 100 times. Have you ever seen that play? The Keith Jackson? Yeah. Yeah, I've watched it. Was there ever a play where you were growing up where you just immediately went outside and tried to recreate it with somebody? I I can tell you one, and it was the Vince Young pump fake against Oklahoma State where he took. I think off everybody tried to do that at yeah. some point. Yeah, I'm trying to. I was like, I I fuck Texas, but I was like, that was cool. I mean, I I think like back in the day, like Reggie Bush stuff, like definitely tried to recreate doing that in the backyard. But that was when Keegan was like eight. Hey, we all we ought to have a foot a foot. Shorter and about a hundred pounds lighter. We can all role play. There's nothing wrong with role playing. <laughs> Last one, Mr. Braylon Rogers. My Nebraska story was with my dad at the 2004 Whiteout game, which was Jason White's last home game. I think he completed 18 straight passes in that game, if I'm not mistaken. I was pumped to see the stadium all decked out in white. Then there was the rain. The crowd was a sea of assorted colors and ponchos and rain slickers. I do hate that about when it rains for an OU home game because the like the stadium like kind of loses its luster iconic state sure I guess um then Nebraska ran the ball 40 times and threw it only 13 times to try to burn the clock and get it over with as quickly as possible before White and AD could run up the score on them I think OU won like 35 to 3 or something like that but that was the game where Mike Callahan or Bill Callahan called uh OU fans a bunch of fucking hillbillies mm. did that, not realize that. that worked out really well for him <laughs> Oh, well. Keegan, any final thoughts? No, I I think the big thing, you know, moving forward, if you are going to take away from this podcast, 
a little bit, just noting some stuff on the defense, play calling, injuries. And Lincoln Riley said tonight it'll be a bit later this week before we make a final decision on Danny Stutzman. Don't know the status of Billy Bowman. Uh, Brian Darby is doubtful. That hip injury looked bad. Um, but ultimately, it's a it's been a chaos season, Brady. It's going to be another great week of college. It, I can't believe... Like, it feels like these first two weeks have gone so slow because there's been so many damn games to watch. Like, good games. Like, games that are coming to the end. Well, I guess I shouldn't say good. Not all of them have been, like, great football. But to the end, watching it to the end, just been good football, um, good football games to watch. And looking forward to it. And I hope everybody's enjoying it because, I, I again, as I said, I'm anticipating a lot of volatility the rest of the year, as it, as it should be. Because, Brady, after about Team 6, as in the rankings that you see me send to you every Sunday, from about 7 to 40, I have no clue what to do. Yeah, so let's expand the playoff. <laughs> That's a great idea, kids. Oh, well, we can bitch about that later. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to Through the Keyhole. Once again, please, please, please leave a five-star rating and review if you've not done so already on Apple Podcasts. Also, please give our patreon page a try at the very least just give it a try we've got a dollar tier we've got a four dollar tier and a five dollar tier so it's really really up to you but you can find it at patreon.com slash the keyhole we are up to 190 patrons right now we are 10 away from 200 Mm. i could not be more thankful for that i could not be more thankful if it was just one person but we're fortunate enough to have 190 people so hopefully those 190 people are happy with the content and enjoy it because i enjoy putting it out, working on it, putting a lot of care into it. I know Keegan does the same thing with his film reviews as well as these podcasts and his write-ups he does during the week. So we'll be looking forward to your newsletter uh, tomorrow, correct? Would you prefer me break more Nebraska Buffalo down and have data and then just leave the some of the stuff from the week for Friday night? Just kind of do it on the podcast here. Do it on the pod. Do it on the pod. Sounds, sounds good to me. Because Weston, because the injury stuff's out there. I mean, no one's going to get info <laughs> unless Danny Stutzman updates his Twitter again, which I joked earlier. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll see if I can muster some stuff up. There's been some realignment talks behind the scenes, but nothing substantial for me to even talk about. So we'll see. Maybe I can, uh, I can find some stuff out around the league. Yeah. Um, maybe some in-season football stuff to talk about. And Matt Burton's already kind of asked and talked about like wanting to write some stuff himself. Hell Matt, yeah. Matt's actually a very talented writer. So I was like, yeah, of course. I just didn't know if you wanted me to put that on your plate. So <laughs> um, look forward to that. So you got three people doing their damnedest to keep you in, entertained and, inter- and informed on our Patreon page at Through the Keyhole. Everybody, I'm tired. I need to eat. I think we're both, you can tell on my face, I'm exhausted. Well, from data to the podcast. Yeah. It's been a fun day. Yep. Always a fun day at Through the Keel. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, Boomer Sooner, and we will talk to you later.